Tucson? Great. Jenna, can we get some lights up on the stage, please? There you go. Thank you. So, good evening, folks. I'm Fred Eater, and I'm here to welcome you to the debut of Stargazer Virtual Community Theater. What you're about to hear was created entirely by amateurs. No one here is a professionally trained artist, or at least in theater. These are ordinary people doing extraordinary things. All of this, everything you will see in here, was created by us. Every note of music was written by our friend Jenner Zeno, who will be out front in just a couple of minutes. The script was written by Jenner and me. Jenner and I! No, not Jenner and I. I wrote the script, but the script was written by me. English 101. <laughs> and to be honest, even we didn't write it alone. We had several writer's rooms meetings to which many people contributed ideas. And we put it together in record time. None of this existed two weeks ago. So, we hope you'll enjoy what I hope will be the first of many performances of Stargazer Virtual Community Theater. We're going to take you back to a tiny village of 86 people. The year is 1666. Welcome to Prior's Hollow. Imagine. The key to every experience is imagination. See the trees in the slowly sinking sun. Can you imagine being the raven flying through that darkening sky? Feel the October chill in the air. Smell the rotting crops as you approach the hand-built cabin. If you listen, you can hear voices from inside. Circle above the porch. Look down the chimney and see the family inside. Here's 12-year-old Eliza, whose short dark hair and deep brown eyes set her apart from the mostly blonde, blue-eyed residents of Pryor's Hollow. She's talking to her mother, Rose. How do you expect to cure people with the clothes of the dead? I clean them first. With what? The soap. The soap the Undertaker makes? It's the only soap in Pryor's Hollow. And it's worthless. That's Alvin, Eliza's father. He's a farmer, nearly bald and gaunt. We're the filthiest village in the colony. Plague is running rampant. Our barn smells better than your mother. That was a lousy thing to say. The truth is often lousy and hard. It is a dish best served cold. I thought that was revenge. 
The Undertaker has clothes I can use. We are out of material, and people continue to bleed from boils on their skin. What would you like me to do? The only reason Mr. Tanji has those clothes is because I made them. You're just getting my work back. But what I'd really like for you to do is to get us more firewood. This room has turned cold. That's the boy's job, not hers. Since when? Since right now. He's eight, Alvin. An eight-year-old is not ready to wield the axe. He's ready when he thinks he's ready. He could hurt himself. He's not strong enough to cut his hand off. The worst he'll do is get a splinter. I got one this morning and I'm fine. In which case, you both need a bandage when we cut it out. I'm going to the Undertaker's. While you're there, see if he has a better knife. Ours is as dull as your mother's book. Oh, and about 50,000 measures of water to dump on our dead crops. You know, there is a river half a mile from our farm. If we could just move the river. That's a violation of the commandments of the book. Earth must be preserved as it is. You know that, Eliza. I'm not destroying it. I'm nourishing it so it will grow. We cut into the earth every time we plant our crops. The difference between planting crops and moving the river is the difference between the cut we make to remove my splinter and cutting off my whole hand. Shall I go cut the wood then? The book is a badly written set of fairy tales. I really wish you wouldn't talk like that in front of our junior lumberjack. I'll be home by moonrise. Alvin, why don't you go into town with Eliza? Have the butcher get it out. He has sharper knives than we do. I'll be fine. We need you to wield the axe. The boy is too young. All right, we'll go together. And Eliza opens the door. (laughs) The baker, Abigail, and her husband, Herbert, the grain miller, are standing there with shocked expressions on their faces. You don't know how to knock? Good lord, you nearly frightened the daylights out of me. We were just about to win. What can we do for you? Eliza, you leave. Abigail and Herbert, please, come in. I'll catch up with you, Liz. Good evening, Rose. Hello, Alvin. Hello, Rose. Hello, Alvin. Did you just come for a visit? It's awfully cold for such a long walk. Father, shall I? Yes, boy, go cut us some wood. An awkward silence falls over the room as they wait for the boy to leave. With the children gone, Herbert speaks freely. Actually, it's because of the cold that we came at all. We hoped Rose might have some warmer clothes for trade. Her calm demeanor breaks down. I have no materials from which to create them. The sheep are all but gone. The wolves are everywhere. I have no materials from which to create them. Why, the book tells us there was a year just like this in the time of the ancestors. No rain, no crops, plague, wolves, all in. 
Rose smirks and rolls her eyes. Yeah, they didn't handle it well. And it wasn't wolves in the book. It was dragons. If you're going to believe it, you really ought to know what the book says. Rose, stop. The baker and the miller stare at Rose in disbelief. Well, goody Rose. We thank you for your hospitality. Herbert and I must be going before it gets any colder. They move nervously towards the door. Herbert pauses. Aye, leave them a loaf anyway, Abby. The boy looks a wee bit thin. Abigail takes a loaf of slightly molded bread from her pack, and she lays it gently on the table. Without another word, she takes her husband's hand and hurries out the door. Rose and Alvin are alone. You're going to bring trouble into our house if you keep talking like that. The trouble got to this house long before I did. Go catch up with Eliza, Alvin, before it's too late. Eliza walks the long trail down to the village of Pryor's Hollow as the sun continues its slow, unrelenting descent. She stops along the way to collect twigs, pine needles, almonds, wildflowers, and other pretty bits of nature. It's not long before her father catches up. Eliza, what are you doing? I thought you'd be there by now. The Undertaker. He likes pretty things. He can use to make a soap. This rock is shiny. Maybe he can make something pretty with it. Get what you need. I'll be next door at the butcher's. We'll walk home together. Finally, the woods end, and the Undertaker's shop is visible in the center of town. You see it? It's a darkly painted wooden building. If you take a deep breath, you can smell the meat in the butcher's shop next door. The butcher and the Undertaker are brothers. Eliza steps into Mr. Eustace Tanji, the Undertaker's shop. Good twilight, Miss Eliza. What may I do for you? I I was hoping I might get more clothes from you. All of us need more bandages soon, and I brought you these pretties. Those are beautiful, Miss Eliza. Oh, almond shells. Sadly, we had three more deaths today. Make their clothes what you will. The bodies are being burned this evening. They have no more use for their clothes. I found another note this afternoon. I hoped you might help me with it. You know I will use this. Whose pocket was it in? You always ask, Eliza, and I never tell. You should know by now. You try it first. What does it say? In the... No, uh, uh, there it asks. No better test. In wine, there is In truth. In wine? Oh my. I wonder who is trying to tell me they know. What do they know, Eustace? The almond shields you bring. They've never gone into the soap. 
They, uh... Tanji takes a vial from his pocket. I... And holds it up for Eliza to see. Its liquid twinkles in the light of the sun creeping through the window. It's a poison. Prior Nip is a dangerous man, Eliza. If I... I put this in... In his wine? He'll be dead in hours. And the village can go back to what it was before he came. We can end the fear. We can hold the hate. We can purge ourselves of the plague he perpetuates. The door opens and the blacksmith, Peter, steps in. He's carrying a body and his eyes are glistening with tears. Tanji shoves the vial deeply into his pocket and Eliza stares in horror at the corpse. It's the Mises, Mr. Tanji. The plague took her while I was often what's left of the iron mine. I grieve for your loss, brother Peter. I offer my sympathies as well. Eliza and Tanji help Peter to the back with the corpse. Eliza stares at the burst boils on her arms with a kind of horror, but Tanji has no reaction whatever. I'm powerful glad you're here, Miss Eliza. Mickey wanted your brother to have this knife. It was the first I ever made. I gave it to her on our wedding day. And she wanted it to go to someone who would make good use of it. The boy is old enough now, don't you think? I'm sure he'll be honored, Mr. Holt. Thank you kindly on his behalf. And on behalf of my family. Your parents haven't told you, have they? The harvest isn't going to be enough to keep us through the winter. Maggie died at the right time. I couldn't have stood to watch her starve. It is sometimes better to be dead. I wish her end had been more peaceful. Prior Nip is gathering the town together now. He's going to tell us how to end all of this. He's been reading the book all last night and into this twilight. He says we're all to assemble. If only he had saved us before Maggie. But he can't save the rest of us yet. May Maggie's be the last to death. But it won't. Screams come from the butcher's shop next door. That's father. Eliza runs from the room, and Eustace and Peter stand staring in wonder at each other. Eliza pushes through the door of the butcher's shop, where she finds her father, Alvin, strapped to the table, screaming. Fuck! What are you doing? No, ah, it's just a splinter. The prior. A bulbous old man with long white hair and a ponytail hanging down his back stands next to the butcher, Amos Tanji, who holds an axe over his head. 
It's the only way. The infection will run through your body and kill you. Brother Amos is saving your life. No. God, no. No. The axe comes down across Elvin's <laughs> arm, slicing her deep. No, are you insane? Eliza runs to her father, who's bleeding out. She pushes the butcher, but the prior grabs her arms hard. I know, Sister Eliza, this just looks brutal. But this is what science teaches. We must stop the infection before it destroys the body. There is no other way. Elvin fights against the straps as the axe comes down a second time, finally severing Elvin's arm completely. It falls to the floor, and blood begins to spew from the lonely shoulder, pooling around the fallen appendage. You're insane! This is not science. This is this is the madness your mother teaches. Science, she tells the others, tells us that infections spread and kill. We must find it and cut it from the body. Let me go. I need to get, get your hands off me. I need bandages. Eliza rips a strip from her dress and begins frantically wrapping it around her father's wound. The butcher grabs her by one arm, the prior by the other and they drag her screaming across the room. They tie her hands as a crowd begins to gather outside the butcher's shop. They drag her to the meat hook and hang her by the bound hands from it, and then run from the room to meet the crowd. What's all this screaming about? Is somebody hurt? Brother Alvin is recovering from a difficult surgery. His hand was infected. I have saved his life. What on earth did you do to cause him to scream so? Alvin is a strong man, not one who cries out. The infection was spreading all the way up his arm. I had no choice but to cut it from his body before it poisoned and destroyed him. Well, you're daft, man. You could kill him. People of the Hollow, hear me. A demon is in our midst. Thanks, folks. That's the end of Act One. Take a breath and enjoy intermission. Refreshments are being served in the lobby. We hope you'll come back for Act Two. The second act, though, needs a ticket to get back in. We need to raise a little money to keep this going. How do you get that ticket? Glad you asked. The ticket is available on the Patreon sites of any member of our group. If you're supporting any of us, you already have your ticket. Check your programs to see how to get to our pages if you're not already a supporter. As little as $5 a month gets you access to every show we do. There's a second way that requires no money at all. You can join our cast or crew. Become a part of Stargazer Virtual Community Theater and contribute what talent you can to us. You can be a voice actor. You can do art design. 
You can collect sound effects for us. You can even be a writer. Contact Jenner Zeno or Fred Eater for details. You can also email at info at mindwave.media. Act 2 will be available at 10.31 a.m. on 10.31.2020. Only on Patreon.